All right, welcome everybody to another episode of SVT Sports Podcast. I am Vince in the driver's seat today with my boys Sam and Tyler. How's it going, fellas? I'm in the back seat. <laughs> I'm in the back seat too. I think I think we're just being chauffeured at this point. Yeah, I'm yeah. goddamn driving Miss Daisy around here. That's good to know. All right. <laughs> uh so uh we uh it's been a little bit of time since we last talked. Uh a couple of playoff games have happened for the Warriors. Uh, let's dive in right off the bat. They win game one, 123 to 107, and it wasn't even really all that close. Jordan Poole scored 30 in his playoffs debut. Curry came off the bench with 16 points in 21 minutes, and Jokic was worn out. They had a really good game plan, I think, uh, and they executed it flawlessly. Uh, gentlemen, uh, what did you think about game one? Man, I loved it. Um I know we'll touch in the game two, but game one and game two, Poole had two different scenarios where he could have broken a record that was held by a uh, Wilt Chamberlain as a Warriors player. Um, and he missed out on both by like, I think two points or like a point or something like that on each one. So a oh, little bummed by that. But I mean, if that's my only note of, be, of being bummed about how the Warriors played, I'd say overall it was a, a gigantic success. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were a little trepidatious coming into this series uh, because Jokic is the reigning MVP and will in all likelihood win it again this year. But it turns out you need to have more than one player in basketball. <laughs> so I believe um, I believe I came into this saying that I wanted the Jazz and the Denver. I think this was the best one of the best scenarios for the Warriors. So I do want to come in and pat myself on the back here a little bit. Um, it's a lot better than I expected. I will tell you that though. I was not expecting it to be so resoundingly uh, easy for a home court advantage. Yeah. Sam, what do you think? Man, it was just really exciting that, you know, the last couple of weeks of the regular season, they didn't look that good. There was the, you know, the shutdown of Wiseman Curry was hurt. And then Kerr kind of, you know, had that um, there was, a press conference where he was talking about, um, you know, stringing some wins together and ending the season on a winning streak. And I think they won five in a row to close the season. That is correct. Yeah. And, you know, so they get, you know, then there was, you know, is Curry healthy? And I think he, if it was, um, if they were battling for a playoff spot or a play in game, he probably would have played, in the regular season, I think because they were the number three seed and they could have been the four or the five, you know, even if they lost a couple games, I think they were just, it don't really matter where they place as a seed. If this team is healthy, they're going to be able to compete. Um, and we saw that again. Um, it's just, man, we, for so many years of being in the gutter that the Warriors just, sucked all we have was all we had was we believe that was like the one thing we had in our lifetime right mm -hmm. yeah um that was all we really had as fans and now we're just we're just spoiled rotten um to yeah to get the three championships um but to, to see stuff clay draymond and then now it looks like there's an emerging star in uh jordan pool um, and we haven't even gotten to see the Kaminga and the Moody in the playoffs, really. Um, and I don't really think those guys are going to be too far behind, um, 
you know, being legitimate players on this team moving forward. Um, especially Kaminga. I think Kaminga is going to be, you know, the, the sixth or seventh man coming off the bench next year. Um, and probably get a lot of playing time in the playoffs with, you know, next year, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, the Warriors are going to play matchups where he gets certain minutes against certain guys. Um, uh, but it's just been these past two games are just so magical to see Jordan Poole, um, that the new lineup, you know, this, uh, lineup has been talked about for so long. And then to see it, I think w- what was the, the scoring at like to close the, the first half that they, they went on like an 18 to four run. Oh yeah. It was something ridiculous like that. They flipped it from down 12 to up six. So it was like an 18 point swing yeah. um, at half. So, yeah. I mean, that was insane. And then, you know, jumping to game two, they go to that lineup again and it just, it completely flipped the game and they, the, the warriors hit the, hit the gas and they were gone. It wasn't even close. Like it, the game was further apart than what the score said. Like it got to a certain point where they just had no, they had no chance. You know, the nuggets had no chance. Yeah. Well, to, to your point where you were saying that the, the seating didn't really matter. I, I do. I just was thinking about that. And your sentence there is that all the teams that are playing in the playoffs right now, the only ones that I think would be able to survive situations of didn't matter, didn't matter what their seating was, would be probably Brooklyn, although they're suffering right now, but it would be probably Brooklyn and the Warriors. And the reason why I'm saying that is because the last, what, six playoffs have been the Warriors and the Cavs. And the most prominent players on that would be, you know, Curry, Clay, Dre. Durant, Irving, and LeBron James, and obviously LeBron is not in it. Mm-hmm. So it goes to show that I, I don't think, or I am agreeing with you that I don't think it matters where the Warriors were going to place because they could take this show on the road because they have taken the show on the road. They have the most experience outside of maybe Kyrie Irving for playoffs consistently in the last like six years. I think that bodes so well for the Warriors and for us being spoiled as fans that not only do we get to see our team every year, but they're, they're the most experienced when it comes to these playoffs as a habitual playoff team. They actually ran something in the game. Like they ran a graphic and I, I don't remember exactly what it uh, said, but the gist of it was um, all the Western conference teams in the playoffs and how many um, championships they have uh, for, for each like yeah. individual coaches or players. The Warriors had like 22 titles and, um, I think uh, the next team had three and then a couple of ones and then uh, goose eggs the rest of the way. So um, and the, the, the Warriors, team, by and large. Huh? It was Phoenix with the three and those yeah. were JaVale McGee. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It was JaVale <laughs> McGee's uh, three rings. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's just uh, the Warriors have the experience advantage by and large. and It's not even close. So and that's a very nice turn of events from uh, you know a decade ago. Uh, like Sam mentioned before. I actually just real quickly, I remember in 2007, the We Believe year, uh, I was here, I was excited, I was hyped. Uh, Then I moved to San Diego for the following season. And that year, the Warriors won 48 games and missed the playoffs because 
um, they were just the ninth best team. And it was just kind of wild. They, they had a damn near 600 winning percentage and didn't make the playoffs after barely squeaking in just over 500 the year before. Mm-hmm. So, and that was, the, I think that was the last team to have that many wins and not make the playoffs. So just, you know, oddities in the schedule and just, you know, memories. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I expect the the Warriors to win this series. I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets get the next game or, you know, I, I think they're going to get a game at home, um, you know, especially with uh, Jokic getting a couple days off, getting a little bit of rest, and then they play really well at home. Um, you know, so having that mile high air, you might get a little winded on the Warriors. So I, I think uh, – I just really wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets get a game, and but I, I still think the Warriors win the series pretty handedly. Um, the only, calling for the gentleman's sweep, huh? I think so. I think the the teams. I think Phoenix is really good, and I don't think it's I I I think it's the the IQ and the coaching of Phoenix, um, and you know. Houston with a healthy Chris Paul probably does beat the Warriors. So, you know, it's, it's a water under the bridge. It's in the past, but you know, we don't know how that would have went if uh, all things are equal. Um, But I, I really think the team that would freak me out the most would, would be the Milwaukee bucks just because of um, the defenders they have. And uh, Giannis is he's a big man, but he, can move like a little man. Um, and, you know, the Bucks got got really good uh, defenders that can go one-on-one. They don't have to do a lot of uh, double teams. And, and that's what's breaking the Nuggets is they have to constantly double team somewhere. And when you have these three shooters on the, on the floor, uh, you, know, <laughs> you have these three shooters um, – something's going to happen and with Milwaukee they, they can they could defend uh, the perimeter with keeping it one on one so i think that would be an excellent matchup um and you know giannis uh is a is a problem i mean that's a big dude that can really move and get inside so i don't know um you know, all thing, you know, having Draymond uh, and um, Looney being 100% healthy would be ideal, but that's a that's a big dude. So that's, well, that's my the, most concerning matchup. That's to assume that they make it past the 76ers, who um, I'm pretty convinced that there's four other 76ers that are on the court at the same time. They just happen to wear black and white because those that officiating was atrocious the last two games. Um I just there's a saying and and I'm going to say about our Warriors too it's not a playoff series until the other team beats the team on their opposing court so um until the road team wins a game yeah exactly so I I have this weird thing that like yeah I'd love to say the Warriors are probably going to sweep Denver I just I don't want to say that until I see what happens on Thursday night because it could be a flip-flop we could get no calls you know what I mean? And, and that may very well be the case in Denver. Um, I, I did some some reading up and and uh, unfortunately, I, we'll see if this stance true or not. But Denver has um, a lot of transplant fans. 
majority of them are from California. And uh, there's a sentiment going around that they don't think they're going to actually have as well of a home court advantage as they think they're going to. They think it's going to be a lot of bandwagon slash California fans who are Warriors fans could also be bandwagon as well. Um, so it, it, it may be this weird scenario, you know, how uh, the 49ers took over um, L.A. situation. You know, it's not a it's more of a home court advantage for the Warriors, possibly. That could be. We'll see. I mean, that was extreme what happened with the Niners down in L.A. for both the playoff game and the regular season finale. Um, so I would be kind of surprised if it was that extreme um, because just the arena is a lot smaller. It's a lot easier to get, you know, 15,000 of your guys in versus 60,000. So that would kind of surprise me if it was that extreme. But it doesn't surprise me at all to hear that there's going to be a solid contingent of Warriors fans at the game. Um I, I would expect that basically in any arena um, at this point, uh, like th- there's, there's Warriors fans now all over the place and yeah, we could call them bandwagons if we want, but they're here now and they've been here for, you know, seven, eight years now at this point. So after a certain point, where does bandwagon stop being a thing? And when you're just a regular fan. So, I mean, everybody's got to jump on at some point. I mean, uh, we, we've been on since basically birth, you know, being in the area, but at some point, you know, I, I, I'm fine with bandwagoners. I, I welcome them with open arms and I'm glad you're here. Um, hell, I listened to a Harry Potter podcast where the girl lives in Cleveland and is a, a Warriors fan uh, during the, you know, the wow. big Warriors uh, Cavaliers matchups. She was like the only person in Cleveland wearing blue and gold. And so that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mind bandwagon fans either. What I do mind is the rich ones that don't give a crap and it's more of just a social status at this point those that's, are the ones that i don't like yeah yeah th- th- that's obviously a separate issue uh, as long as you're loud welcome aboard but if you're just there to brag you know come on dude just yeah. shout just 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 shout when you're supposed to shout i mean at least play along you know whatever okay also, so um oh go why, ahead why the last two games there hasn't been any free giveaway T-shirts. The crowd hasn't been wearing all yellow or uh, no, no. The, the T-shirts are black this year. Um, it's it says gold, uh, gold blooded. Gold I think. Blooded. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a black shirt with gold lettering. So it's not oh. an actual gold shirt this year. I did see, I did see the shirts on the um on the chairs and stuff. Like they did give them away, but they're black mm. shirts instead of gold this year. Did it seem like a lot of people were wearing them in the stands? It didn't really seem like it to me. I wasn't terribly paying attention to the stands, if I'm being honest. Um, There's something about that sea of gold and yellow that that's intimidating on the yeah. yellow court. Yeah, I would have. I, I I think I would have preferred to have gold shirts, but I mean, I've already got a dresser full of gold shirts that I can't wear anymore because I'm a little bit bigger than the shirts. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So just real quick, game two, the Warriors won by twenty, and um, that was the game where Denver actually gave a real good fight um, at the beginning of the game, and they were up twelve. But then by the end of the second quarter, uh, Warriors had taken a six-point lead. Then they pushed it up to 20 at the end of the third quarter and basically just uh, traded buckets the rest of the way. Yeah, so So, I I sent you guys that tweet, um, or at least the picture of the tweet, that at the second half at the seven-minute mark, the Warriors were down 43-31. to By the end of the third quarter, the Warriors had scored 70 points in less than 20 minutes and went up by 101-81. to Yeah, that's insane. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely wild. Uh, Jokic got um, 
two techs in the game as uh, he got ejected in the fourth quarter. And um, Draymond was waving him bye-bye. They were dancing. I mean, I expect Denver's going to be a little bit upset. And uh, uh, they'll probably we'll probably get the best punch that they have coming. Um, and it was probably going to be a real close game, I think, uh, for game three. And if the Warriors pull that one out, that's basically just ripping the heart out of them and, uh, you know, stomping on it, uh, maybe barbecuing the heart, you know, gnawing on it a little bit in front of them. Just, you know, I think I so- heard some, I think I heard this on the TV broadcast, too, is uh, Denver. This team um, has come back down three one twice in previous playoffs uh you know so you know they might be down but you know i'm not counting them out i still i think the warriors are going to win the series but you know i'm not going to be surprised if um they get off the mat and you know start slugging their way trying to slug their way to even the series but Mm -hmm. you know it's just fun time i mean you know it's it's been a fun series obviously the warriors blew them out both both games um but you know, Jokic is is a freaking monster. You know, like he's. It sucks that he doesn't have the supporting cast around him, um, and one player, one teammate could totally be making a difference uh, for this team. And unfortunately, he's um, he's coming off of an injury, so he's he's not available. Well, right now with with Porter Junior. Is it Porter Junior. Yeah, Porter Junior. and and Jema- and Murray. Those are you know, 60 points to, you know, 40 to 60 points that they're missing out on. And to be fair, Aaron Gordon really isn't stepping up to what people thought he was going to be when they traded for him. Right. Mm -hmm. So he was supposed to be the next prolific scorer for Orlando. And then that didn't pan out. Then he got traded. And then he, he, I feel like he's a role player. This whole team is a full of role players that are trying to pick up the slack of 40 to 60 points at, they're just not, it's not happening, you know? So um, it's not out of the realm of possibility of a sweep. I like the idea of a gentleman sweep possibly happening as well. We'll see what happens with Thursday's punch. I did want to give you guys a quick stat line that I thought was really impressive to me. All right. So, so the lineup that, you know, is doesn't have a name yet, whatever you want to call it, um, between Steph, Jordan, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green. So in the two games they've played, for the playoffs, they've played 11 minutes total in that 11 minutes. They have plus 29 on the, on the court together as a group. They have an offensive rating of 204, which is insane. They have a defensive rating of 75, which is also insane. And their net rating is 129 as a group in 11 minutes. That is unheard of. I don't even think the Bulls were even this efficient when they did the stat lines between that that starting five. This is next level. And just imagine if they had Wiseman, for instance, to to pick up you know the slack on the other end when they before they go to this death lineup. It's it's insane to me. Eleven minutes. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like you're potentially more lethal with stuff coming off the bench, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, and in 23 minutes he has a plus 32. That's yeah, insane. That's yeah, yeah. So that was the game two uh, stat line, right? Yeah. So um, it, it, I guess the reason why he's coming off the bench right now is to minimize the amount of time that he's not playing. So if he's getting the last six minutes of every quarter, um, he's not on that rest uh, for the last half of the second quarter, 
it going into halftime, he's at least, you know, breaking it up a little bit and, you know, they, they, they get to warm up a little bit after halftime uh, too. So 21, 22 minute restriction, but it's also um, how many times he, he sits and gets into the game. They're minimizing the, the cool down and back in and, you know, yeah. period. And then with halftime, um, so they're just trying to minimize uh, that situation of getting in the game, getting out of the game, halftime, getting in the game, getting out of the game. Um, but he'll, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts game three. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I could still see a possible minutes restriction, but like that being pushed up to about 30 or yeah. so, um, 30, 32. So you're looking at eight minutes. Um, but then after that, like, I mean, I, I would expect in the next series, uh, assuming the Warriors finished the job, that they'll be that uh, the minutes restriction will be gone in round two. So, I do want to go out and apologize to Bielitsa because I definitely wrote him off towards the mid and mid and the end of the season. There, he just looked horrible to me. Man, has he looked amazing in these two games in the playoffs? I mean, he looks to be a quick stepper, a quick stepper, a a, a step quicker. And he also seems to be cutting faster. You know, he's not making these ridiculous drives and turning the ball over like crazy. He, I think he's underrated as far as, you know, what's going on with the, with the team at this moment. But I do want to say, he's underrated you know, I was wrong coming from the guy who crushed him. <laughs> I was wrong. I will admit I was wrong. Well, All right. Tyler's holding. It helps yeah. when the shot is going in. So, yeah, you know, true. Uh, for a minute there, it seemed like he couldn't, he couldn't buy a three-pointer and when you're but when you don't need to defend it you know i think now he's he's back into a rhythm so you got to respect him and i thought he looked fine to close the season i thought i thought he looked fine it just wasn't it wasn't going his way <laughs> right yeah I, I, the last couple of games before the playoffs started you could see it was starting to come together a little bit for him like and maybe the shots weren't falling, but just everything else was starting to look right. And here we are. Um, six man of the year. Nemanja Bielitsa. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I also feel that I also feel that Bielitsa, though, is is around some of these, you know, jaw dropping plays. You know, I mean, he's he seems to be passing the ball to the right person. And it's it's getting to he may not be showing up as a stat line. He might be a hockey assist, but I feel like he's also surrounded by things that are happening that are amazing to watch. So. I don't know. Right place, right time. Who knows? I, I mean, even Otto Porter Jr.'s playing lights out. He had that amazing rebound that he poked away twice and then threw it to Clay in the corner, and Clay swished it in the in the right hand corner. So, right place, right time. I just, you know, it's great to see. I love it. It's all coming together. It's it's beautiful. Agreed. Uh, any last points we want to make on the Warriors before we move on? No, nothing no. is easy. All right. No, nothing easy. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move on to the NFL real quick. Uh, Derek Carr got a three year, $121.5 million extension, Sam. Uh, so the team he's tied to the team through the 2025 season. Um, how you feeling about your quarterback? I feel good. Good for him. Uh, he's got weapons in the contract. You know, we see that big number, but you always got to look at the guaranteed money. Um, so not all of it is guaranteed. A good amount of it is guaranteed. Um, but you know what? I know I have definitely been like high and low on Derek Carr, especially these fucking fumbles. Um, just thinking about the fumbles. 
gets me pissed off. <laughs> um, but I, it's one of those situations like, who are you going to get who's better right now? Like who you would have to surrender anybody, a top five quarterback, the amount of assets you're going to surrender to get a top five quarterback is going to be massive. And apparently teams inquired about trading uh, for Derek Carr and they were offering a whole lot, but it goes to the question of what, uh, what are you getting in return and who are you going to get to stay competitive? And then there was, a, I don't know if you guys heard this, there was a rumor that came out that before uh, the Patriots drafted uh, Mac Jones, the Patriots actually inquired it to get Derek Carr because that's who uh, Josh McDaniels wanted. So apparently the Patriots called the Raiders about obtaining Derek Carr. Um, it didn't work out. And, you know, they, they ended up taking Mac Jones, but apparently there's a big rumor coming out that the reason why um, Josh McDaniels accepted the Raiders job is because he's been wanting to work with Derek Carr, even though they, they don't have a rapport together. He's been wanting to work with a quarterback uh, like Derek Carr. So you see something he likes, huh? There's see something there. There's a lot of talk about how Derek Carr prepares for a game is, you know, is that this guy is a, is a robot. He is, I mean, look at how many offensive coordinators and head coaches that he has had in his NFL career. And to his defense, he's kind of won games and performed in different systems pretty well. You know, the, the injury year, he was, he was a legit MVP candidate. Um, This year he, technically had better statistics you know there was two extra games but there statistically he had a better year this year um you know this past season is is actually one of his better seasons so for me it's a well-deserved contract they got offensive weapons uh they've added defensive players um they have a modern coaching staff they have a modern front office um so i think uh you know and the chiefs getting rid of their star uh, wide receiver um, kind of opens up that AFC West. So it's definitely going to be, you know, must watch TV every AFC West game. So I'm stoked. Football season can't get here soon enough for me. <laughs> right on. Uh, yeah. I, I don't really have anything to add on top of that. I think you said pretty much everything we need to say on that. Um, uh, good for Derek Carr. Get your money. You know? get your money. Speaking of money, is Debo going to get his? Yeah. Debo Samuel will get his money. Uh, I don't know when he's going to get his money, but um, uh, they are absolutely going to pay him. I think part of the problem is Jimmy Garoppolo. He's on like that's, and that's $20 million. That's kind of just sitting there that they're not going to cut him. They would have cut him already. Jimmy. (laughs) Yeah. Porn star Jimmy. Um, He's yeah. I mean, at this point, they're just going to wait until either the Panthers are ready to make a move or some or another quarterback gets injured and they can then make a deal uh, for Jimmy and hope and they're hoping that it'll happen before the draft. Um, so I that way you can get that value this year. But dude. as long as Jimmy's on the team, nobody else is getting that uh, getting their bag because Carolina, it's too big of a contract. Carolina already na- named Sam Darnold as the starter, man. Oh, sweet Dick Darnold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and Carolina's also uh, interested to be rumored to be interested in Baker Mayfield as well. So 
we'll see what happens there. Um, any any trade I think is going to have to involve either keeping some money or taking on a chunk of um, uh, Sam Darnold, taking on Sam Darnold and a, a significant chunk of his contract as well. Well, uh, I also because- think that, that Debo is waiting to see what AJ Brown's going to get because AJ Brown is asking for a contract extension. Yeah, and uh, so is um, God uh, Terry McLaurin in Washington. Right, but I, think, but I think as far as like a skill set goes and what they pr- produced last year, obviously I think Debo is better than than well, that's that's uh, that's that's tough. But Debo is a more dynamic and uh, better player for the 49ers system. And AJ Brown had an excellent season last year. I think both of them are kind of seeing what they're gonna get. And I think once they one of them gets the contract, they're both gonna fall quickly. I know DK Metcalf is on there, but he's most likely gonna be traded. I know that uh, Tyler Lockett is on the docket to be traded, but DK Metcalf is probably the most sought after between the two uh, wide receivers. Terry McLaughlin is also on there too, but he's not going to get nearly get, he's not going to nearly get the same contract as the other two guys. Yeah. Agreed. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we're just kind of in a wait and see mode. Um, uh, I have all the confidence in the world that Debo doesn't need to be in camp for the, um, you know, the, the voluntary workouts. He can work out on his own elsewhere i i believe uh, he's going to show up in shape when he does eventually show up and uh hopefully they can get to a, an agreement here fairly quickly um and, but like i said it all kind of hinges on uh jimmy garoppolo so there we go yeah i agree uh any uh so the the draft is coming up uh, n- uh next week i believe right yeah next thursday friday saturday and we'll have uh, we'll talk more about that uh, the next time we record about the draft, and we'll go over all of that stuff. Um, We're gonna have a special draft. Uh, yeah, we'll have a little game for for the uh, for the people as well, and uh, we people. we can get into it another time. But um, just leave for the le- people. It's for the people. It's a draft we'll for the people. Yeah, yeah. We're teasing you. <laughs> We're giving you a little tease there. Okay, the so. Um, uh, real quick, we're going to move on to um, just the Sharks real quick. They've lost 10 in a row. Nice. The last. Oh, yeah. Really working their way towards getting that, get um, that draft pick. Get get that better draft pick. Get a better slot in the draft lottery really is what it is. Um, but the last few games, they've actually looked pretty good. They uh, they just signed uh, one of their draft picks, Tom- Thomas Bordalo. Excuse me. Uh, he signed his entry level contract. Hurdle. Yeah. I, well, I. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's because Tomas versus Thomas. Um, that's really what that came from. Uh, but I, I didn't, I was, I had no intention of saying hurdle there. I saw Bordelow. I just read Thomas's Tomas because I can't read anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he signed his entry level contract. He made his NHL debut on Sunday. Uh, he played a couple games with the Barracuda before that. Um, uh, he looked pretty good. He's got an assist. He had a couple other scoring chances. Um, the, the problem is the Sharks are just hurting for goals, man. They, uh, they, they're the worst offense in the last 30 ish games. Uh, they're, they're about 10, like they've scored like 67 goals in the last 30 games, something like that. And there it's about 10 fewer than the next two on the list, which are Anaheim and Seattle. Um, and all three of those teams are going to be in the draft lottery. So, um, everybody's going to be looking for scoring, uh, uh, Thomas Bordalo coming over from uh, Michigan, where he was uh, playing pretty well as well. He basically 
as soon as he signed his entry-level contract, he, uh, his season ended at Michigan, and then he was in San Jose playing like like a week later. So uh, he's yeah, it's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, and he's got all, he's got he's got all the skills that you want. Um, so hopefully he can put it together, and he'll probably make the team next year. Uh, coming in, I I wasn't sure if he would or not. Uh, initially until I saw him playing with the Sharks on Sunday. So, yeah. Yes, I went to uh, New York last week and uh, got to go to the NBA store, which is pretty cool. I We didn't have time, but I walked by it, and I really wanted to go, but the NHL store, um, man, it's it's so cool down there. They, they had all their displays out. It was just – I believe it was only one level. I don't think it was two. And um, just tons of, of, of uh, Ranger stuff. It was like very minimal of Islander stuff. And I don't know if that's like a, a thing there, but it, I did see a lot of people wearing like Rangers things. But and then uh, in the main display, as soon as you walk in uh, to get people enticed to buy all the new jerseys was cracking jerseys. And I was like, I just I can't yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, well, I, I will say that as far as the Rangers versus Islanders thing, the Islanders play on Long Island, you know, so I mean, that's. They're, they're more of that borough out there, whereas the Rangers kind of own Manhattan and all, basically all the other boroughs. Um, makes sense. So makes that, that kind of makes sense to me that uh, it was a whole bunch of Rangers stuff and not a lot of Islanders stuff. Um, and I still think of uh, Liam Neeson. Unleash the Kraken. Every time <laughs> yeah. I hear the uh, Kraken. What movie was that? Oh, fuck. Like um, Titans. Titans. Uh, it was the Titans. Uh yeah, Clash of the Titans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah, was, that's what that was. Unleashed. It was a remake, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so just one more point on the Sharks. Um, they actually lead the NHL in number of rookies to play in at least one game this year at wow. 18, which is also the franchise record. Uh, Thomas Bordolo was the 18th rookie to suit up for him this year, which is insane. It's why it's it, it, it's crazy. I've never seen that this many rookies obviously uh in one season i it's kind of tough to keep track of all of them i couldn't even name all of them if i'm being honest with you right now um it's too many that's that's basically a full team uh because you got 20 guys that suit up every game including your backup goalie so i mean you're basically there that's yeah that's insane so all right. Um, let's. Uh, I-, I wanted to make one point on uh, the San Jose Earthquakes as well. Um, they fired their head coach, um, Matias Almeida. Uh, he, uh, he was on his last year of the contract. Uh, they had zero wins, three draws, and four losses to start the season. Uh, the head coach, Alex Cavello, who was uh, at the Earthquakes 2 head coach, like their minor league team, for lack of a better term, uh, he's going to take over as the interim head coach, and Wondolowski is going to be on the coaching staff. I'll be honest um, with you. I didn't know Wondolowski retired. Or, yeah, I actually, no. I didn't know he retired at all. I, di- I did. Uh, and it, this franchise, it's, it's a lot of the same problems that we talk about with the A's because it's Wait. John Fisher as the owner. What? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're having so problems even- like they – even with a new stadium that fixes your financial revenue streaming system, they still don't invest in the team. What? Well, I mean, they had a guy who promoted the team very well and got fans to come out, but then he left to go work for the A's. 
and Dave Caval. So that happened. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just, it's a lot of the same issues. Like, like, like we said, they, um, they don't spend shit on their players. They, they, um, they, uh, the, the drafting, like their, you know, their, their scouting department, their, everything is just subpar. They, they just don't spend money on all these important things to make NHL, uh, to make NHL, make MLS work in the Bay area. And it's not like baseball where it's baseball's entrenched. It's not going anywhere. Soccer is still a growing sport and they need owners that give a shit, man. And, and of course, Fisher, we've talked about him as the A's owner, how he's just there to collect his paychecks and brag about owning shit. And that's not going to work. You need to have somebody that gives a damn about soccer. It's just, I find it so freaking crazy. And we talked about, I believe it was on the last podcast we talked about this, or I brought this up about Mark Davis and Mark Davis being the owner of the Raiders and being laughed at for so many years and, you know, fair or unfair, whatever. I mean, you show up to an event with your shirt, not ironed, clearly unfolded from the packaging, the bowl cut, like you're open to criticism. All right. But as an owner, what he, he got the stadium for the Raiders he got Derek Carr a new contract. He went and, you know, he allowed his guys to go and get Devontae Adams. Like he's building a team. And then he take then he takes over the WNBA basketball team and is all in on that and wants to increase payroll and wants to grow the sport and is doing everything he can to do that. Like it's fucking crazy to me that Mark Davis with a fraction of the influence and the financial resources of John Fisher is a better fucking owner. Like it's fucking crazy to me. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, in that admission, uh, the pirates owner is a better owner than, than the day's owner. Is he though? I mean, it, it's kind of it's close money on two. That, they got that's the true. That's they true. They got the, they got the stadium and they, they have actually spent some money on some of their players. They're not, bottom three in payroll anymore the they're up to about thing that 24th. makes fourth the a's better than a lot of these other crappy franchises is because of billy bean like i shit on billy bean because he's part of the problem too he's part of the ownership you're part of the problem if you're not part of the solution you're you know all those cliches but you know i feel like it's owed I want to be a fan of Billy Bean. I want him to be successful because of all, you know, I wasn't always a, there was a time where I was, Oh, Moneyball, He's so great. Blah, blah, blah. And then I, I grew up, I started to learn about economy. I started to learn about different things and revenue and, and where this money is going. And then the more I, I researched what a small market is, it's, it's bogus. It's not a small market. You know, it, it, all of that's a lie. It's a flat out lie. Look at the economics of the Bay Area. The reason why the people don't go is because there's nobody to cling to. It's because mm-hmm. the ownership doesn't keep players. The yeah, Giants and- were terrible in the in the early '90s, and uh, I mean they had the eight the '89 uh, World Series where they lost to the A's, but they were terrible. They were terribly attended games. Nobody attended a Giants game until they got the new stadium, and that's just you can look that up on multiple uh websites that track attendance 
there was years and years and years where the A's either outdrew the Giants or it was dead even. But it wasn't like today or since the since the, the Giants got their new stadium that it was completely one-sided. That's a that's a a, a current trend because of the stadium. The uh-huh. reason why people got off the A's is because the ownership groups don't invest money. And and I don't know if we talked about this last time, but it was the um, the payroll of uh, in the 90s under the Haas family. It was like 32, 35 million. Yeah, it's I think it was a couple same, episodes ago. It's like the same yeah. payroll right now. So, you know, it's just, uh, you know, getting back to the earthquakes and the ownership, It you know, unfortunately, there's been a few times where I, I've gone to earthquakes games and I want to be on board. I, 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 I went with Vince where, you know, we're cheering. I'm learning all mm-hmm. the rules. I'm starting to learn the players. And the moment you get that, you get, you want to get invested ownership. The front office does something to prevent you. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what is happening with the A's. And I really just can't figure it out. Like if you don't want to win, then why the fuck do you want to own this team? Why not just like, be a minority owner. Let somebody else control the team and win. Why do? You, why I do? I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. And this market, the Bay Area, with all of this tech money, all the Silicon Valley money, you built a new stadium in the heart of it, like in San Jose. It's right near the airport, and downtown is like a five-minute drive from the the earthquake stadium. And this stadium is half full. It's a brand new stadium. Like, and it's got the longest outdoor bar in North America. And it's it's gorgeous. And it's half attended because again, we come back, we circle back to this. They don't invest in all the things that make you good in the long term. It's just and they they don't have enough luxury seats. Like they they the bottom level is all luxury uh, boxes and booths and stuff, but there's just not enough of them to truly pull in and to pull in money. Uh, the big money from all the, you know, rich assholes, you know, that, that exist in the Bay area. And but also, I mean, too, there's, to there's in that money. You got to have a product that people are willing to spend and you don't have the product. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they've made since the earthquakes came back, they've made the playoffs, I think four times. Uh, since 2008, uh, when they uh, the initial earthquakes, they moved to Houston in 2000, uh, 2006, and then Houston immediately won another title, which kind of pissed me off. Um, but basically, since they came back in 2008, it's been a whole lot of nothing. And this is just it's it's more disappointment and more disappointment and more disappointment. So. Yep. All right. Um, I think uh, we've beaten that horse to death and kind of hit baseball a little bit in that. So let's um, let's just dive right into baseball at this point. There's a couple of interesting things that happened. Clayton Kershaw uh, last week was pulled after seven perfect innings and only 80 pitches. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts on pulling a pitcher with the perfect game through seven innings? I think that's the problem with baseball. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I mean... Look, I get it. Clayton Kershaw is is the dinosaur on your roster now, and um, you want to try and save that arm because games aren't won in in April or, or March. You know they're they're won in October, so I, I get it. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, a uh, perfect game is basically the only thing 
left to do for Clayton Kershaw on his career checklist. He's got a World Series. He's got Cy Youngs. He's got all the accolades, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, he doesn't have a perfect game, and this was possibly his only shot at it. And I, I'm just disgusted for him that with only 80 pitches thrown, too. That's the other part. It's not like he had a perfect game through seven innings and had 105 pitches. Like He was cruising, basically, at this point. Mm-hmm. 80 pitches in seven innings, that's that's incredibly efficient. So I'm, I'm just it's it sucks, man. And... I don't. Uh, I don't think we're, he's going to get another shot at it because, like you said, he's a dinosaur. Um, so, it, I mean, it's it, it, it sucks for him. Uh, but you know, whatever. They're the Dodgers, so fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's just it's just a problem with baseball as a whole. Is you know, um, they base everything on a calculator, on a spreadsheet, um, you know, on data. They, you know. They don't, they don't really care about what is special, unique, um, you know, moments like this. And as a fan, you know, that's what you're, that's what sports is about. Yeah. It's, you know, winning and this and that, but it's, especially for young fans, it's going to the game and, and seeing something that has never been seen before, you know, or maybe you'll never see in your lifetime like ever again. And that's what makes you a fan is that one time I, I saw this, I saw that, um, I saw a perfect game. I saw no hitter or whatever. And that is completely removed from the game, you know, and then it's replaced with these true outcomes of the game and it's just boring. Yeah. And if you say anybody who's like, Oh, the game is fine. It's not, it's not the same. You know, it's fucking boring. Like, it absolutely is. And the thing is, is like, you know, the the de-emphasis of stealing bases and moving runners over and bunts and, you know, different different things. It's just you completely removed, removed entertainment from the game. It's supposed to be entertaining. And that's like all these people wonder why basketball and why is football still because it's entertaining because uh-huh. as stupid and assholes the owners are of the NFL the product is entertaining you know the i mean they the draft is entertaining free agency entertaining everything about the NFL is entertaining and MLB you can't even put a video on your social media you get you get taken down you can't yeah. even talk about the sport on social media. That's how fucking anal they are. It's yeah, man. Golf, like golf, is cooler than baseball. It's disgusting. Yeah, um, I can't get into golf. Um, it's uh, unless Tiger's playing, then I care. But I did, I did um, watch last. Uh, <laughs> I did watch part of the Masters. Yeah, just yeah. But I mean, yeah, but exactly. I mean, <laughs> go- like seriously though, baseball's become like almost worse than golf. It's so difficult. If you're a family and you got kids, you got two kids, three kids that want to play sports, baseball, how do you afford it? How can you afford your kids playing baseball, little league and travel travel ball and being in competitive leagues and all this stuff? It's it's not and it's stressful for parents to go on all these trips. It's stressful for the kids, you know, because it's just money. It's predatory. 
And then you uh-huh. get into the minor leagues and then you're treated like shit. And then you get into the major leagues and then you don't, you don't get any opportunity to, to rewrite your contract or get paid. You know, it's, it's BS. Why would you, why would you play this game? You know, and I, that hurts me to say that because I want it to be a good game. I want to be entertained. I want to watch it, but it's, you know, these owners are killing themselves. They wonder why, you know, you get owners like John Fisher and the, and the pirates owner is just, well, you need to be a fan just because you need to pay for the ballpark. You need to buy all the hot dogs and buy the jerseys and buy this and buy it every single year. No questions asked. So we can make money and keep the players and you're paying for all the bills. Like it's bullshit. Yeah. You know? And they want, and they want uh, the cities to help cover um, these stadium deals. It's bullshit. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Speaking, speaking of a, of a scheduling and rosters here. Uh, I feel like this is a better time to uh, bring up uh, our virtual A's versus the real A's. Okay. So let's do a quick comparison. Yeah, let's do it. So yeah, be quick. So uh, I, I, like I said last week, I think there was four or five games that were just removed from the schedule this year, or at least maybe replaced at a later date because um, for whatever reason, we got a late start. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I am simming it to the exact date of what we have. So we're matching eye for eye. Um, that being the case, we'll go off a win percentage here. So the A's are currently, the real A's are six and five. They are above 500 ball. The virtual A's are eight and 10. And Oof. they are at 400 ball right now, mm-hmm. very early in the season. But to make you feel good, the Astros are in last place at five and 14 at 200 ball. Stop, stop. <laughs> My penis can only get so erect. Just stop. <laughs> so, um, our big acquisition, uh, quick news here, Aaron Nola, that we spent a lot of money on. He has a strained arm and is out for two to eight days. So that <laughs> oh, God. Um, But other than that, you know, everyone seems to be stepping up. The you hottest you pitcher need to on our do team is uh, just you just got to keep simulating. Go back, turn the system off, reset, simulate it again until you get the results you want. That's right. <laughs> That's yeah. You need to do. <laughs> Come on. The best pitcher on our team right now is Frankie Montas, who's pitched 28 innings, so about two and a half starts. So uh, no, that's that's close to four. That's close to four starts. Uh, that's uh, true. Seven, well, seven innings uh, per start, that's four starts. So he has an ERA of 1.59 and a whip of underneath one at 0.99. So loot. he is our best pitcher. Um, he's also on the last year of his contract. So we will see. Pay that year- man his money. We will see. He may be a hot trade. He may be a hot trade prospect for us to get a you know us back under the salary because right now, um, we are hovering at uh, an annual surplus of about sixteen million, which isn't good at all. (laughs) (laughs) We have gone to the limit of our budget, and we need to start winning some games. Otherwise, we're going to start going negative. Yeah, because unfortunately, unlike the real A's. Um, we can't get people to come out to our stadium and pay for things. No questions asked. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So um, the A's in real life, um, they won the series in Tampa Bay three to one. They lost uh, one game to two in Toronto. Um, uh, the A's also have several players that are now 
on COVID um, restrictions because uh, there's been a little mini outbreak. Um, so Piscotti couldn't cross the border because he got sick. And then uh, Austin Allen, uh, AJ Puck, and somebody else uh, uh, were, uh, were not vaccinated and couldn't go into Toronto. But then mm-hmm. all those players ended up on the COVID list anyway uh, when they when we came back to Oakland yesterday for the uh, season opener. And they also added uh, Jed Lowry and a couple other players um, to the COVID list. So that's unfortunate. The A's are dealing with that. And, uh, you know, obviously at this point, um, everybody knows the deal with COVID. Yeah. You, you know, you just, you got to sit out and you got to stay away from people until you uh, get, uh, get cleared. So yeah. we'll be waiting for that to happen. And they've got replacement players up for this exact moment for this kind of thing. And, uh, the A's may be the first team that this happens to, but they sure as shit won't be the last. Um, it's going to be kind of a thing that happens um, definitely this year, probably next year too. I mean, until uh, it, I don't know how long this is going to go on, but it's going to be around for a while, I think. So here we go. Um, so this uh, uh, coming up uh, for games coming up this week for the A's. Uh, they won yesterday at home against Baltimore. They got three more against Baltimore and three versus Texas. So um, just real quick, my uh, my gut says they win two of the next three against Baltimore, and then they um, they take one out of three against Texas. So I got them going three and three uh, this week. Mm. Well, let me go into my crystal ball because I'm really good at predicting games. Yeah, clearly, yeah. That's why I wanted to go first so I could have an untainted prediction before the oracle <laughs> steps to the bat the uh i'm going the a's so there's three more or four more against baltimore or is uh, three, three more three more three more there's okay. six more games okay for the homestand uh the a's will be going one in five on this one they will take one more game against baltimore and that will probably be the travel day game that they take and they will get swept by texas i think they'll lose tonight they'll win the next game and it'll be lights out in Texas. It's at home. It's at home against Texas. Doesn't matter. I think they're still going to lose all three games against Texas. Okay. Sam, what do you got? Well, I think they're going to take two more at, at least from the Orioles because uh, the Orioles are just awful. And I thought the Rangers would be a lot better, and they look like shit. Um so there's six more games. I'm going to say three and three. Okay. Me and Sam agree again on this one. Um, okay. So um, good luck, gentlemen, with the, uh, you know, go win some games. Um, so let's uh, move real quick over to the Giants. They are seven and three to start the season. That includes um, they're playing a doubleheader today, and they lost um, the first game of that in extra innings to the Mets. Um, the thing I really wanted to talk about was um, last week, Mauricio Dubon yeah. dropped a bunt um, when the Giants were up big against San Diego last week. And basically the Giants are saying they're done playing with these unwritten rules. Um, so they're going to start playing like that and they encourage other teams to do it as well. Um, you know, if you're up big, drop a bunt against us, you know, so um obviously the Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers, the Padres were kind of pissed about it at the time. Um, so, I mean, what do you think, uh, you know, the unwritten rules is, are, are, are we finally going to be getting rid of them? And are the giants, the team to actually do it? 
Giants are not the team to do it. If anything, my opinion, the White Sox and the Padres would be the two teams I would consider would be dropping these unwritten rules, but maybe not the same case with Bob Melvin being there. He's kind of a old school kind of guy and eh, he, you know, I have mutual respect for him, but I think he, he runs his team like, like the letter of the law. So, but when, you know, I would, I would imagine that I would love to see the day when unwritten rules are gone, you know, um, I think games are super fun to watch if you get a chance to catch them on TV or, you know, when you see Cuban players play or Dominican players play, there's no written unwritten rules there, man. They play to have fun. This is how the game should be. It should be played to have fun to Sam's point. That's what makes it entertaining is when you watch people having fun and yelling and chanting and the crowds getting into it instead of, you know, tweeting out their picture of their dog at a ballpark or sitting at a giant stadium with their laptop and their business shirt on. So I want to get rid of unwritten rules. I do not think the Giants are the team to uh, push that uh, projection. All right, Sam. Um, I don't know if the Giants are or are not. You know, I just support the 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 movement that they're they're saying. You know, that Farhan uh, Farhan Zaidi and uh, Gabe Kapler about you know the hell with these unwritten rules. If it was a rule, it'd be in a rule book. You know, like it's, you know, it's just, it's stupid, dude. Um, yeah. It's stupid. Um, and like, like, you know, like they were saying, it, you know, if we're up big and you want to drop a bunt, drop a bunt. I don't really see what the insult is. Like, I don't, I don't really see the problem. Yeah. Um, I would add um, if the Padres were to come back in that game and the Giants didn't like, you know, drop a bunt and try to score runs and everything. I mean, uh, would the Padres like put an asterisk next to that win if they had come back down like, you know, five or six runs? No, hell no, they wouldn't. Um, so I think it is actually in a way incumbent on the team up big to keep padding the stats at right. this point. And I, would I mean, say, I, if you're the losing team, then and, and you don't want to play the game anymore, just fucking quit. If you don't want to be embarrassed anymore, then you know what? Hey, we're not going to come back anymore. We're done. We'll take the L. Bye. You know, like come on go play the game you're being paid a lot of money to play the game and you're bitching about somebody dropping a bunt <laughs> like come on yeah. exactly exactly and this is this is all part of the reason why baseball just kind of sucks is, well that's what i'm saying is arguing it's like, about bunts but that's what i'm saying when you watch games in cuba or dominican republic like dude the crowd's yelling at the players. The players are yelling at the crowd. The players are yelling at each other. They're having a fun time. They're making jokes. They're laughing. They're serious. They're laying bunts. They're hitting home runs. They get excited over a single in the crowd. Right. I mean, it's it's so entertaining to watch the Latin ball that they're light years ahead when it comes to an entertainment value that I don't think MLB is going to be there, maybe not even in our lifetime at this point. I mean, we're so far behind. Yeah, um, I will note that um, one of the uh, things that they the ideas that they had to speed the game along that they're doing in the minors right now is like a like a serious pitch clock, like like taking the pitch clock serious. And they are saying that in the minors, it's shaving about 20 minutes off of a game. So it is picking up the pace of the play. Um, the I don't know if, that, what that's going to the gripes that I have with all these new rules about speeding up the game is. It, again, it's talking both sides of the mouth here. You can't have more home runs and more offense 
and faster games and this three batter minimum thing, uh, the pitchers, you're going to, you're going to go every time you go to a reliever and then they have to face three guys and then they're launching home runs and then it's happening to the other team. And there's just more and more home runs. The, the solution is there are rules already in the rule book that allow the umpires, you don't allowing hitters and catchers to, to stop the pitch. You don't need to grant them time. You know, there's yeah. these guys that step out of the batter's box without even getting permission from the umpire, mm-hmm. you know? So it's those things. It's the things that, that, take up time like that there's constant the the throwovers there's constantly i was watching the other day it was an a's game where the a's pitcher has zero pickoff move he has zero pickoff move so he just kept throwing over throwing over throwing over he kept just throwing over to first base and it was like dude if you're on the team that i root for but if you don't got to move then you're not ready like, you know, the, yeah. like you got to have a move, you know, Hell, um, I have a pickoff move. Good God. So, you know, you know, it, it, it's just things like that, man. Like there are already rules in place to speed up the game. And it's the, the, um, I was watching a game the other night. Um, and there was, there was a couple of balls that the batter didn't like. So he takes a long walk up the first baseline takes a couple practice swings, looks around, gets the sign, couple more practice swings, slowly settles into the box. Like those are the things that happen over and over again. You know, the guy that, you know, strikes out and is thrown his bat and slowly walks away. You know, it's come on, man. Like, get the hell out of there like little league they strike out go run to the dugout <laughs> get your ass <laughs> out of there next hitter up let's go yeah like, there are rules and these are all things the, the no more garcia par thing like remember he yeah. would take off oh his gloves God. and do this and do that and blah blah mm-hmm. blah every single time every single yeah. time it's those types of things that's ruining the game and the other thing that's ruining the game is the commercial breaks the game the game on the field is being impacted by the television broadcast. Well, now when you go to a game, it's not as entertaining because you're you're trying to present the game for a television audience, but then your television audience isn't watching it because the game is four fucking hours long. Like, so you can't have it both ways. You either deliver an extremely exciting product that's designed for television or you make it like you have to be at the ball game to see it, you know, like you, you, you got, you, you can't have it as both ways. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. So you need, in my opinion, stop letting the game being dictated by television commercials, get the, get the game moving. You know, that's the here, here. Well, I agree with that. I think I think the problem with that is that obviously TV rights pay a lot for baseball, right? So it's it's a big chunk of the pie. But to your point, I would say keep the game moving, seventh inning stretch, bring out your TV commercials, 
You know what I'm saying? And then let people get a rest from the game from the six innings, you know, and lock in for the seventh, eighth, ninth, and let's gear up and let's ready to go. Let's go. Yeah, I would say I I would say I get the I, I get the want and the need to put on commercials during some of the dead times, like in between innings and stuff. But you don't need two and a half minutes of that. And that's what it currently is set right. at. I mean, the, the pitchers that are warming up, they only get eight inning, eight pitches to, to like warm up on the mound if they're new into the game and only five if they're, you know, if, if, if it's their second inning of pitching. So you can do that in 90 seconds, you know, you, three commercials. This is what NHL does. They have. So it's what, two and a half minutes? Every it's time. two and a half every, every time. Every commercial break is like two and a half minutes. But every and commercial you could, break is roughly every time the, mm-hmm. the, the, the team is now batting or pitching, you know, every yeah. time it changes. Yep. So two Ex- and a half minutes times nine. Mm-hmm. Times 18. You, or times 18. Because each half, each, each half inning. Yeah. So, so, I mean. There's there's the time right there. There's, four, there's 45 down. minutes. That's 45 so, minutes. It's not the game. Yeah, if, if you cut commercials, yeah, you cut that down to 90 seconds. That's three commercials, you know, three 30 second ads instead of five 30 second ads. You, you that that takes off a, a full minute, like to, so. I mean, that cuts it down from 45 minutes to 30 minutes of ads. So, I mean, there's 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 15 minutes gone right there. And that's you know, off using, the top. We're using math that's like we're just like basic, basic math. This is not the commercial breaks where you got to go to the reliever. There's an injury. There's a, a, a play review and they leave the field. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah. if you followed the basic math that Vince just presented and you cut <laughs> 15 minutes off the game, you're talking a, a, a three hour and thir- three and a half hour game is now three fifteen. That's huge for certain people. Oh yeah. For certain age groups for, for, certain people that's that's a mm-hmm. that 15 20 minutes is a huge cut down yeah people uh going to weeknight games with their eight-year-old kids they can't stay till 10 you know right and and if you save them 15 minutes in commercials they get to stay for a whole game and then that that i mean that could possibly build memories that last a lifetime Look you know at how again the nfl they're doing so many different things with their television uh viewing uh audience they red zone clearly created for the fantasy football gamblers i mean Uh that's just fantasy football that that's the market they went after um now they got you know the sunday ticket the dish network stuff you could watch all these different games that was catered to a certain type of fan um the nfl now has uh the the nickelodeon broadcast on certain games where it's oh yeah that the, the Niners Cowboys playoff game was a Nickelodeon game and that was fucking fire a lot of people a lot of people were watching it look at the Peyton Manning cast I mean that mm-hmm. I mean they were nominated for freaking Emmys you know um I think Peyton the show was was nominated for like best new show uh and then uh eli manning was the best newcomer in uh sports media or something like that so i mean i don't give a shit about these awards the point that i'm making is the nfl is constantly under evaluation and and how to be more entertaining and mlb does not do that and 
that's their fault as as it's their fault. It's the owner's yeah. fault. It's the commissioner's fault. And I believe Rob Manfred came um, from MLB's media department. He was the one that was like supposed to, he was the one that led MLB.com and all of that stuff. So for someone who came up through the ranks during a digital age and to be so completely clueless on digital marketing and digital space and viewing and streaming it's just fucking crazy to me that like, <laughs> like you know yeah you man need to find you need to find what you should have like to me you get the free the free stuff remember the a's were on kicu you know channel, oh yeah channel 636 yeah um that stuff fine that's like youtube regular all these fucking ads you know what you're you're on a, a certain subscription no commercials this and that and you know what for the free audience you miss a pitch you miss an inning or a half inning or whatever it is because of commercial breaks that's your fault you know but the game can't be impacted by advertising you know like nfl yeah there's there's commercials there's this there's that but for the most part, it's not it's not impacted by television commercials. Soccer is not impacted by television commercials, you know, and most other sports are not truly impacted by by advertising. The, and for a game that doesn't have a time limit, you need to minimize the outside distractions. You need to minimize what's going to slow down the game. And as far as in-game slowdowns, there are rules already made. So this pitch clock, these things like that, it's that's not the problem. That's not the problem. And so and all right. If, if it's if the minor league games are quicker by a half an hour, how many commercials are impacting a minor league baseball game? So it's a terrible study. Any hoops. All right. <laughs> Uh, one last point on baseball. Tyler, you put this one in the show, Doc. Um, the Padres are unveiling a sponsorship patch. Um, they're going to get Motorola on their on their little sleeves, little right sleeves, uh, move, uh, starting next season. Um, so we're going to start seeing advertisers on uniforms. We have them in basketball. We have them in soccer. They actually like are the big logo on the jerseys and on for pretty much every soccer team. Um, uh, th- this is this m- falls more in line with the NBA style where it's a smaller patch like on the sleeve or on the um, you know the sleeve of the jersey or whatever. So um, you have any thoughts? Any um, do you like it? Do you hate it? What do you think, guys? Man, I, I was thinking about it all day today. Um, you know, I'm I'm really not mad at it. I think it's 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 a it's a different change. Um, I, I think I was weirded out by when basketball did it but now i don't even really think twice about it it's not even a forefront of my brain anymore mm-hmm. um i'm okay with it you know i as long as it doesn't get ridiculous like i don't want to see you know like japan or korea have jerseys where there's there's just the whole thing is like a like a, a Times square ad of a jersey like i'm not i'm not looking for that i'm okay with this a subtle right little advertisement i'm, I'm okay with it yeah I, I would actually i tend to agree um i'm I, I, I'm all for, you know, getting your money where you can, you know, um, and putting a small patch on an arm 
that doesn't really bother me that much. Um, uh, it, uh, the soccer jerseys, it, it's a little too big for my taste on soccer jerseys where it's where, where it says Padres or athletics or giants or whatever. Um, that's where the big ad is like, you know, you got a big, um, Chevy logo on the Manchester yeah. United or whatever. Um, so th- that's where it gets a little bit. I don't really like that. Um, but yeah, a, a little patch on the arm, little Rakuten where the war, you know, uh, uh, on those, uh, like on the chest of the Warriors or a Motorola on the sleeve of the Padres jersey. Like that's fine with me. I'm I'm good with that. Uh, Sam, what about you? You know, it's just going to be more money that the A's get, and it's going to go to John Fisher and not to the <laughs> players. So, you know what? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's starving. You know, John Fisher right. needs more money. Um, he needs to have a bigger art collection. Um, so yeah, I'm all for it. Okay. <laughs> and with that bit of sarcasm, I think it's time we bring this episode to a close. Uh, you can follow us on social media at SVT sports pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can also send us an email, uh, SVT sports pod at gmail.com. Send us your highlights, uh, topics you want us to discuss. Um, uh, cute kitties like you know trying to climb up couches whatever you want to send us um we are here for it um slide into our dms there you go um uh anything else for the good of the order gentlemen well you could also pick up cats if you're interested at the oakland coliseum there's 40 of them find one there you go that's how arf was started was the cats the stray cats at the coliseum tony Larusa <laughs> made something pretty good out of that so um <laughs> On that note, I say thanks, gentlemen, and we'll talk to you next time. Later. Bye, guys.